This is the Organizational Health Advantage Podcast with Keith Hadley and James Felton, Principal Consultants at Table Group. They're in the business of coaching leaders to build strategic focus and cultural alignment that leads to amazing results. This podcast is for leaders who are looking to increase productivity and morale while decreasing politics, confusion, and unwanted turnover. Welcome to the Org Health Advantage. Hello, and welcome back to the Org Health Advantage podcast. I'm your host, James Felton, and I'm joined as always with my good friend and colleague, Keith Hadley. Keith, how's it going today? It's going great, James. It's good to see you again. We were just together in Chicago, about 10 minutes from my house, working with an awesome client, which maybe leads us to today's topic. Yeah, absolutely, because we did a lot of work with them on The Working Genius, and it was a great session. And at some point, you remarked to me, you know, we haven't done a podcast about Working Genius, and we probably should. And I said, yeah, and we probably haven't because Pat Lanchoni has done so much work with it. We maybe didn't feel the need, but I think it's helpful for us because we've done this work with a lot of clients, and it's resonated so much with clients. Yeah, would we, you agree? We would we 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 would hate for people to think that we don't talk about it because we don't use it. We use it so much, and I think we've really come to appreciate it. Pat Lanchoni and the team at Working Genius with their with their uh, Working Genius podcast is they they do an amazing job, and so. But we, I think we we want to share some of the experiences that we've had and why we think it's such a helpful tool. Yeah, and then probably just go through it a little bit, but I. Yeah. Just to prove the point or or make the point that it, it really does resonate, you and I were together back in summer of 2020, and we were actually doing offsites outside at nice hotels, but outside because we were, you know, just fresh into COVID. And also the working genius had just been launched in a really informal way. But I remember going through it with two different clients in the same week and just how much it resonated with them. Like, describe that if you remember. Oh, I totally remember because it didn't even spell widget yet. It was still in the phase yeah. of W-I-D something, something. I don't remember what it was. And the client was making fun of us like, is this going to spell widget? We're like, no, it's not going to spell widget. That would be dumb. And, <laughs> and here we are. Uh, yeah. But but we we had heard about it literally the week before. And we just, we opened up. We said, hey, yeah, you guys know how innovation happens, right? Innovation happens in three phases. You know, there's the ideation phase, there's the activation phase, and there's these, there's the implementation phase. And they were all nodding their heads like, yeah, totally. And they just took it as self-evident. And then we said, well, there's actually two pieces to each phase. And we're just curious, like, what part do you enjoy the most? It was like such a simple, low formality pitch of the idea and they embraced it like immediately they're like oh yeah i love that part and we'll use today's names for each of the six activities but they they immediately were able to identify no assessment no book written about it no podcast yet we just said yeah which which part of this six activity process do you enjoy the most and then let's talk about what what that means for this team and how it shows up and it was yeah. such a productive discussion. And we looked at each other afterwards and we were like, oh my gosh, I think there's something here. <laughs> there yes. really is something to this. 
Yes, yes. It was it was almost like looking into the future back then. You know, yeah. like oh, this is really going to resonate with people if we could share it with them, and they take it and internalize it, process it, and get something out of it in that early phase. We knew like okay, Pat's onto something here, and and they they really did it. And oh, remember that second client? We shared it with them on day one. And on the agenda, they were going to do team reviews uh, like of their people. And so they were looking within each of the teams that each executive led, and they were going to just do like a little bit of an employee review amongst the executive team about the people they lead in the, in yep. the team twos. On day two, brought in the working genius and kind of did a self-assessment on each of the people they lead, in their assessment, they incorporated the working genius model and basically identified which genius each of their people had and which frustrations they had. And we didn't even ask them to do it. They right. just incorporated it overnight into the evaluation they had of their people. And it yeah. was... That told us this is a useful tool and it's easy to process and utilize. Yeah, yeah. That really started us on our journey of trying to figure out, okay, first, I want to master this myself. I want to understand yes. it. I want to be able to describe it. It really caused us to step back and look at how we typically approach clients and how we would approach a client offsite and say, hey, you know, where where do we best fit this in? James, I think it'd be helpful. Let's not assume that everybody knows what the work of genius course. is. Let's yeah. just take a minute or two and talk through it. Yeah, so, yeah. We're building we the case. That? Yeah, for yeah. sure. So let's start with the ideation phase. You know, if work needs to get, if all projects are six letter projects, we would say, you know, the six letters of the working genius, let's start at the highest level, that ideation phase. Talk to us about those two pieces. Yeah, and I, I'm glad I, I'm glad you teed it up that way because we describe these as activities. And so the activities of in, innovation uh, or ideation is is wonder and invention. And wonder is where everything starts. What you know, wonder is that activity where somebody notices or becomes aware of unmet potential, and they start asking questions. Is there a better way? Is this is you know? Is there something here? Is this a product? Is this a thing? Or is this really a problem that needs to be solved? And wonder asks the question. It doesn't necessarily have the solution. But then invention picks up on that question and says, ooh, that is a problem that we could solve. And so it kind of responds to the to that to that question with some ideas. And as we think about even those two activities, you know, there might be a preference in terms of which one you enjoy most. For example, I love ideating and I don't necessarily love or find myself doing a lot of pondering or question asking. But when somebody like you, James, asks a question, it immediately triggers my creativity and I get excited about problem solving. So that first phase is wonder and invention, which is asking questions and coming up with potential solutions. Yeah. But then not every idea that you come up with or uh, that all inventors come up with are great ideas, right? Yeah. You have a pretty good success rate, but not every idea is is worth pursuing. And so 
you know, we need to rely on people with the discernment genius, which falls under the activation phase. So we have ideation, yep. activation, and part of that includes discernment, and the other part includes galvanizing. So talk to us about those. Yeah. So we have WI, and then what comes next is D and G. So discernment and galvanize. Discernment sorts through good ideas from the better ideas from the best idea. And often there's a discernment ideation loop or an ID loop where we're saying, you know, James, that idea would work better if we did X. Let me. So it's an improver of ideas. It's a vetting and improvement of ideas. That's discernment. And folks that have that as a genius, they typically are able to do that kind of with integrated intuition they don't need a ton of data. They don't need a lot of subject matter expertise. They just have a gut sense that something is going to work better than something else. And that gut sense isn't just BS. That gut sense is like it's integrated intuition, especially around like product and people and responses and how would our customers respond to this? You know, will this work internally? What, you know, how will our employees react? It's like they just have a sense like, you know what, this way is going to be better than that way. That's discernment. And so we have at the top now the WID, that's where our best ideas come from. They've been wondered, invented, and discerned. And then we have to galvanize it. So we need to like get out there and get people moving, get some momentum started. And sometimes when I say galvanize, people assume I mean cheerleading, you know, being on stage, right. waving right. your arms. And it does include that, but it also includes the quiet kind of galvanize, which is reminders, emails, like, Hey, bud, what are you working on today? Why are you working on that? You should be working on this instead. Hey, let me remind you, this is due at the end of today. Let me let me encourage you to do your best work. Like that's galvanizing is reminding, encouraging, prodding, provoking. It's I like to think of galvanizing is it's literally changing people's to-do list. Yeah, yeah. You should be working on this. Come join me. Yeah. Stop what you're yeah. doing. Do this instead. Yeah. So that's galvanized. Yeah. Absolutely. So W-I-D-G. Yeah, so we've got the ideation, the activation phase, and then the last phase is the implementation phase. Yeah. And yeah. within that, we have the enablement genius and the tenacity genius. Talk to us yeah. about those. Yeah. Those are really different activities, and uh, and I've really come to appreciate them as different activities. Enablement is the first responder. They're the ones who first respond to the galvanizer and say, I will help you get started. And they're often responding more to the person than the idea. It's a little bit of both, but it's like, how can I help you on your terms? That's enablement. People that have that genius, they just they enjoy helping others. They enjoy getting things started. They they want to be a part of the solution. They often don't even recognize that as a genius, but it's so critical to getting anything rolling in an organization. And then tenacity is different because tenacity, the energy is about finishing the task. It's a little bit more of like, hey, we said we were going to do this at this quality standard or at this time frame or in this way. And I'm I'm frustrated and annoyed that it's not getting done. And so I'm going to I'm going to push into getting this thing done. And I derive real joy and energy from completing tasks or completing work. So it's a little bit more focused on the work of the task than the person and the idea, if that makes right, sense. Right. And so we would say that every project, every workflow goes through that stage or those those six stages and and again people that we work with have two geniuses 
two competencies, which are in the middle, and then two frustrations. And when we ask our clients to go through this and think about stack ranking these, you know, it doesn't, if you have a genius in two things, it means you probably get more joy and fulfillment out of living in that space. It doesn't mean you're necessarily great at them. You just enjoy and get right. fulfillment out of it. And conversely, if you have frustrations in two areas, that doesn't mean you're bad at them. It means, though, that you don't get as much joy and satisfaction and fulfillment in doing those tasks or doing the, living in those geniuses, those areas, I should say. And so that means like, okay, you, you're probably pretty good at them. In fact, when we talk to executives, yep. they're usually all pretty good at them or they wouldn't have gotten to this space in, in, in their leadership and career. But if they had to do the tasks and their frustrations all day or all week, that would be draining to them. Would you agree with that? How, anything I missed there? Or? I, I think as, as we've explained this and worked with our clients, the thing that, that we've gotten good resonance with is this idea that, you know, this is a ranking, not a rating. And so it would be no different than if I was to say, hey, here, here are six food choices, rank order them in terms of which one you, en you enjoy the most. Here are six sports rank them in terms of which ones you enjoy playing. That's not a statement to how good you are at that sport. But I may say, no, I love playing pickup basketball. I love golfing. Somebody else is like, yeah, I really don't like to golf and I don't like basketball, but I love to swim. And so there's no expression here of my ability to do those things well, but it, it is it is to say, what do I enjoy most? And here's what I, I think is important is that my frustrations our, our colleague, Bill Weingartner, said this to me once. I know, maybe it was Tim Cooper, either one. Uh, they said, the area of frustration is probably the area that you are likely to shortchange. You'll spend less time doing it yes. when more time is required. Yes. For example, I often shortchange wonder, and I find myself solving a problem that's not really the right problem or nobody's even asking me to solve a problem or i will shortchange tenacity and i will underestimate how much time and effort will be required to finish a task just because i don't enjoy the tenacity work and so i i shortchange it i shortcut it we've had clients that have shortcut galvanizing they don't enjoy it they don't think it's necessary they don't need to be galvanized and so they they write an email and they announce something and they think they've announced it. And we're like, no, no, but you are shortcutting galvanizing in a profound way that's going to leave people uninspired and unmoved. So I love the idea of frustration. It's like, I, I wish we could call it, it's almost like I want a different word for it, but it's like, you know, what are you going to spend too much time doing? And where are you likely to spend not enough time? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's a, that's, I think, where we've seen leaders get really excited about it because they see, oh my gosh, yeah, I, I shortcut that section all the time. And we like to say, man, if you skip a step, if you skip an activity, you're skipping the people that enjoy that activity and they're going to feel like they're not being heard or valued. Yeah. And, and to go on that point, not only are you skipping people, but you're skipping important parts of the process. And so I was with a client earlier this week where they were down, um, and we haven't talked about elevation, but you know, it's start at, at the 30,000 foot level with wonder 
and and go down almost like a plane descending and and then tenacity would be like the plane is hitting the the ground or hopefully not hitting but landing and uh and this <laughs> yes. this client their team was all discernment galvanized enabled tenacity and we got into a strategic topic and they thought of the problem that they were trying to solve so you know it was up in the wonder and then they came up with a potential solution and started talking about how to implement that or would it how would they implement it or would it even work and i said wait a second folks that's one possible solution what are some other ones and then right. we identify another one and talk about yeah. Okay, how do we get that to happen? How do we implement? Would it even be successful? It's like, wait a second. I'm just trying to bring you up here and think about all the different ways to solve this problem, not to start solving, not to start executing on any one of them. You know, like what are the best options to solve right, this problem? Right. And that's a challenge, you know, when when people start going all the way down to solving you know, that like, wait a second, we haven't explored all the different ways we could solve this problem. Let me give another example from the other end of the spectrum. I often am with leaders that have very high wonder enable, wonder invention discernment. They're kind of at the upper end of that spectrum. Yeah. Right. And they ideate, they see needs, they come up with solutions. And it's like they think the work is done. It's like, it just feels so good to come up with the right solution to that problem. And then they totally shortcut the amount of effort it's going to take to get something done. And so um, even in our internal team meetings with our back office team, we we are like, we're so quick to invent another tool or another statement of work or another handout or another, you know, um, resource that we would send our clients. And often our team is like, well, can't we just send them the handout we had last time? We're like, oh yeah, we probably can do that. Like we don't need to keep reinventing new things. And so, so anyways, that I think that's how we've seen this, this tool be so popular and so effective is that it's easy to understand. It's very self-evident. Teams grab onto it right away. So Maybe we could just talk, talk through, you know, what would be what would be the ways that we see that that leaders could really take advantage of this and 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 make the most of it. Well, the first way I I think um, Keith, you shared something about how you talk about the top three, the W D I D, and then the bottom three, the G E T. What's that description that you shared with me yesterday? Yeah, I so the way I think of that is. First of all, is to step back and not think about the working genius as a personality profiler, but just as a as a roadmap for how innovation happens. So WID, wonder, invention, discernment, that's how we're going to change the business. And then galvanize, enable, tenacity, that's how we're going to manage the business. So that 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 line, that halfway point yeah. between the D and the G. Yes. That's where we've made decisions that we're going to go execute. So if I'm a leader and I'm listening to this, I would think, have I carved out enough space and time uh, in my organization for some wonder invention discernment? Like, how do we need to change this business? What are the best ways forward? And I think of just do one quick lap through our customers, our product, our marketing, our sales efforts, our operations, our infrastructure, our systems, our, our technology, our finance, 
Like there's so many ways that we could um, improve the business or change the business to be more effective. And then if I was the leader, I would ask myself the questions, okay, those big decisions we've made, maybe it's a product launch or a product pivot, or maybe we're going to open up a new marketplace or we're going to expand geographically. It's like, okay, that's a great idea. Have we put the right systems, processes, and tools in place to make sure that we are galvanizing people around it, getting all the enablement that we need and the tenacity work, the project management, the Gantt charts, the systems, the tools, the measurements to ensure that we get this thing done. And so most of our clients, they really, they can have some good self-awareness as an individual or as an exec team, or even as a broader org as to like where they need to double down and focus. So the client you were with this week, they they recognize they need to do more wonder and invention. Yeah, absolutely. I have another client, they have a lot of wonder and invention and they have a lot of enablement tenacity and they've realized we need to do a better job of discernment. We, we sometimes skip the step and we go from our ideas to action. So that kind of awareness of, are we creating space to change the business? Are we creating space to manage the business? Yeah. Has been insightful. Yeah. The other thing that I think is really productive when we look at working genius is applying it to our meetings. You know, we would say there are four different types of meetings. Yes. You know, there's the quarterly meeting, the uh, the monthly or ad hoc strategic meetings. Those are more up in the WID space. Then we would say there's the weekly meeting and the daily huddle. We would say those are more in the GET phase. Um, and what's really helpful, in fact, we were talking to our, yeah. our client yesterday and the people we were working with, is naming the meeting. You know, if it's outside of those four meetings, yeah. then let's make sure we identify what type of meeting this is. You know, maybe if you're working on a project and you, you're at a certain phase and you've got to have a meeting with the other people on this project team, let's make sure that that we've identified what type of meeting is it it is. Is it a... Wonder invention. Totally. Is it enablement tenacity? You know, make sure that we allow people to make sure they're they're in that frame of reference walking into it. Because the people who are, you know, higher on on the working genius framework, maybe WID, if they walk in expecting to do that in a more enablement tenacity, like we're about to finish the project, let's cross all the T's and dot all the I's. And they come in thinking like, oh, I get to wonder and invent now. They're miss that that frame of reference is is not most productive, right? It doesn't mean they get to not show up for the meeting. It means they have to gear up to be in the right frame of mind for that meeting. They have to put away their wonder invention discernment and come in and just with the tenacity piece. Yeah. I've even seen leaders use that in a conversation. Yeah. Of just say, hey, uh, can I can I get some help discerning this? Or, hey guys, let me be really clear. I'm galvanizing you right now. In fact, one of the leaders that I work with is a his his genius is discernment and galvanize. And what he identified was that he is not always clear when he's discerning and when he's galvanizing. Because the way he discerns as an extrovert is to engage people in conversation and get people thinking about something. And the way he galvanizes people is to engage people in conversation and get them thinking about something. <laughs> so the team is like super confused. Like, have you already decided this? He's like, 
No, I haven't. Yeah, I I, I could go either way, but I I want to I want you to go, engage with me, and then other times I'll say, "Have you decided this?" And he'll say, "Let me be crystal clear. We are going to do this, and I'm asking for your help. This is what I need you to do." So, the awareness that he has to a conversation within a meeting helps people show up in a, in a way that is effective and to support the team conversation that's happening. It's like, oh, I see you're you're galvanizing me right now. James, you and I have used this with our back office team where we'll shoot an email to the team and say, hey, you know, hey, we're thinking about a new way of laying out the playbook. You know, could could you take a look at this and discern this with me? Meaning I'm not sending you something I want you to implement. I'm sending you something that I'm curious about. I think there's a better way. Here's an option, but I want, I'm inviting you to push back and show me a different way. Like, let's go back and forth on this. This is not a decision. So that language has been helpful, not just to name the meeting, but even to name the expect, expected response or interaction that I'm wanting. Yeah, good. This has been great. I, you know, we could dive in deep and go long and, you know, take this in so many ways. Yeah. The reality is, is we wanted to make sure we were talking about the work that we've done with our clients and how useful Working Genius is. But Pat and Cody and the yeah. people at Table Group Headquarters have put so much time and energy into Bo, Bo. Julie. Yeah. So yeah. I think the best place to go if you want more information is the Working Genius podcast that table group has put together it is really good and it is really yep. deep and and so i think this was this is a great place for us to land yeah yeah i i, I want to say two or three things just in summary one it's a reminder this is a productivity tool more than a personality profiler so it it describes how teams get things done how i get things done how you get things done Secondly, this is about ranking and not rating. So this is order of preference, not order of ability. The third thing is that the the impact of this is 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 going to show up in not only understanding myself, but it's understanding our team and our team dynamic, and it's understanding how we chase a topic through the different meetings that we hold to go from an idea to a decision to execution. So th that's really how we've seen the benefit of this. And uh, James, I'm, I'm glad we teed this up for today because um, we, we could do so much more to talk about this, but I think this is just a way to make sure people understand this is a cool thing. If you haven't done it, you should do it. You should check it out, workinggenius.com. Yeah, and I would say we've gotten R rarely have we gotten pushback on this not being useful or or a good use of people's time they totally yeah. far and away people really resonate it and enjoy it and find it productive so awesome thank you so much keith this has been great and uh and i look forward to doing another podcast with you we'll talk to you soon <laughs> sounds good james bye Thanks for listening to the Org Health Advantage. Your hosts, Keith and James, are helping leaders change the world of work and invite you to share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. For more resources on building stronger teams and organizational health, check out tablegroup.com. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.